Welcome to the Knowing Podcast. We're here to talk about healing, about insight, about cultivating and living from our own internal wisdom, and about the intention to live beautifully and compassionately as a human being during these times. We're really happy you're here. Oh, hey, friends. Nice to be back here with you. I'm Ciel. Welcome to The Knowing. I um, assume because you are here listening to this that I didn't um, turn you off so much last time with my ramblings um, and diatribe, but I am grateful for you being here. And, you know, I forgot to mention last time that it is like such a magical and amazing experience that six months after I stopped I stopped putting podcasts out. Um, I still get this this update from a, a podcast sort of monitoring system that tells me, you know, where my podcast is on the charts in different countries. And like it's so amazing, even though I don't know you who are listening and, and engage with you directly most of the time, but like, you know, showing up as like a, on the top charts of Belgium and and um, South Korea and Chile and Mexico and like it's just amazing I I can't even imagine actually having some sort of like I don't know celebrity status it must be such a trip to actually think about the number of people engaging with what you're putting out in the world and it really it means so much um, that you are listening and engaging with these ideas and and you know willing to um, reflect on your own worldview and and have curiosity about the the shamanic and I guess integrated worldview that I hold. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say thank you and and thank you for coming back. And I will try as best as I can to um, tone down my my um, I don't even know what I call it. I don't think it's activism, but it um, opinion maybe. Yes, I have a lot of opinions. Anyways, um, so welcome to uh, episode two of season three. Um, I have an amazing guest today. Uh, The first guest that I am excited to bring on, so excited to bring on for this season where we're focusing on the question, what is healing? Um, What does healing look like? What is medicine? You know, how do we differentiate between um, maybe those interventions that allow us to have symptom management and is that healing or is there something else that we should be aspiring and working towards? And so um, I came across this amazing woman uh, through the writings of her husband. Um, you may have heard of Charles Eisenstein. He's been writing phenomenal pieces for for years that I've, I've loved engaging with and his books are incredible. I feel like he's been a... a exceptionally sane and and brilliant um, writer and and thinker during the whole pandemic and certainly far before that. Um, but he had been posting about um, something, I think he actually put together, a, yeah, he put together an article on um, industrial medicine and, and really kind of what I was talking about last time, um, the realities of industrialized medicine and, and really asking like, is this the best that we can have? So I think there's a lot of people having these conversations, thankfully right now. Um, but he was mentioning his wife. And so I started reading about her work and was like, kind of blown away. And her name is Stella, Stella Osorojos, um, Eisenstein. 
And she has a um, substack that I found um, called Resonant Attention. And that's the name of the practice that she is now actually teaching and offering um, classes in. And so um, I reached out to her and asked her if she'd be willing to come on the podcast because what she was writing about in her substack and on her website, I think it's um, theuniverseisgenerous.com. And, uh, but I, she said to focus more on her substack if you want to engage with her writings and subscribe there. Um, but she is an acupuncturist. Uh, she practices uh, something called integrated manual therapy. Um, she is a somatic therapist uh, who is working really with the energetics of, of people's stored traumas and assisting in them connecting with those unprocessed trauma loops. You'll hear a lot about more about this in the episode. Um, but yeah, she was immediately willing, which was amazing to come onto the podcast. And I am just so excited that I could offer her perspectives and wisdom as the first episode of the season or first interview episode. So, um, in this episode, uh, she's actually, she's done a, a session. She does a session on me. Um, so there's a bit of time in the episode where there's a bit of pauses and kind of quiet. I, I encourage you to um, close your eyes maybe and imagine your own experience of, of going inwards in the way that she is directing and, and actually pulling back. Um, you'll, again, you'll hear more about this, but um moving your attention in the way that she uh, in, is instructing. Certainly not if you're driving or doing something, but um, see if you can drop into the experience. It was a unbelievable experience for me and super profound and gave me so many insights into ways that I work with people. And I really look forward to doing some more work, hopefully with Stella in the next while. Um, but yeah, she's amazing. So that's about it. I really hope you enjoy this show. And as always, please reach out if you have questions or comments. Um, and uh, thanks so much for, for being here. So welcome, Stella. It's um, amazing you. to see you. It's amazing to have you here. How, how are things in your world? Good. We've been a little sick, but otherwise kind of grateful to be sick, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little, little downtime. Well, a little downtime and I think a little um, rejuvenating time. You know, my view about illness mm -hmm. is that it's always an opportunity to upgrade so and mm -hmm. get stronger. Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting, I actually, as a strange aside, I was reading an article yesterday where they're looking at how um, infections that people get in their gut actually have this protective effect on the development of like colitis and Crohn's and everything else that like, oh, the, yeah. like it's, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and across the board too. I mean, there was a really interesting article, uh, science study that came out some time ago and I couldn't quote it for you, but uh, something like, you know, if you take a live vaccine, it's, trains your immune system. Well, that's true mm -hmm. if you get it in the wild too. You get protection mm -hmm. not just from the sickness, but you learn, your innate immune system learns how to cope with other illnesses that are like it or near enough or whatever it learns right. through the process of of mastering that particular challenge. It, right. it you know, it's not it's exponential learning. Totally. I mean this is this is true of how humans adapt in general right like we expose ourselves to cold and we learn not just to um you know fend off cold but we learned how to warm ourselves internally which is sort of a different thing and you mm -hmm. know like 
there's there's the initiations bring multiple benefits, not just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not just the one to one. You get better. That one illness. Yeah, totally. I know there was some um, sort of contradict. Well, it wasn't really contradictory. It was was, uh, challenging, I think, for some people to engage with. Some, I think it was Stanford University was doing research on um, exposure to childhood diseases and then the sort of consequence of that later in life in terms of protection against cancer and stuff. And I don't know what, what happened with the data. There was a lot of questions around it, but it was so interesting that they were proposing that, you know, when you have these early childhood diseases, it actually has a protective later effect on on not developing heart disease. and Yeah, I think it's well established that measles protects you from cancer in later life. Right. So much right. so that they're developing drugs based on that. But it's, right. you know, we could just have herd immunity with measles and gain the protection. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, somewhat obviously... We used right. to know these things, and and right. certainly we knew them in Chinese medicine in the in the you know early understandings of you know in in China in the tenth century they experimented with vaccine therapy and decided that it wasn't worth it that it didn't seriously oh yeah by twelfth century they had abandoned it for causing too many problems no way I had no yeah. idea there's Crazy. I mean you know it's like a, it's like a, we. We don't seem to be very good at seeing the consequences of our the actions. Consequences, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. but yeah, in in the Chinese paradigm, of course, you're looking at health from a much closer perspective. So you're noticing, like, what happens to your tongue, what happens to your pulses, what happens to your, you know, physiognomy, what happens to your skin color, like everything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. becomes, um, you know like a way to, to figure out what's happening in the body. And so mm-hmm. you note it, our, the, the barometer for disease is much finer. It's a, it's a much right. subtler art in Subtle, Chinese medicine. Yeah. And so we, they can see much faster if it's, if it's throwing you off balance or not. Right. 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 Cause you're looking at the whole system and the, the like the, for one thing you're yeah. measuring, are you out of balance? That's right. One thing, totally. Right. And then secondly, totally. you know, you're looking, the, the barometer is swinging in a, in a very subtle realm as opposed to like, oh, you have a side effect. That's a gross, you know, That's swing thing. outside yeah. of the, the realm of health. And they yeah. don't even count that as right. a non-cure. <laughs> they, that, that's right. still okay because you've right. gotten rid of the side to the main thing, you know, the, yeah. the main that you're taking the drug for. But it's, it's not actually achieved something health. else. Totally. totally. It's not achieved no, balance. I, so it's not achieved no. health. No. Yeah. No, just a suppression of a, a discomfort or a symptom that's on, you know, irritating a person. We, I, oddly, my husband and I were talking about this at, well, sort of this um, topic broadly at breakfast this morning of just like the the hubris of like modern human beings and <laughs> and this, you know, sort of we have this technology and we have science and we're so amazing. And I mean, we're talking about like agriculture and the agricultural methods of, of the Mayans and the Incans and the permaculture that they had figured out. Like they, you know, our ancestors were brilliant and they were more attuned to the subtle, you know, they looked at the larger system and, and things didn't happen as quickly as a result because they were taking into consideration like the actual impacts of their interventions and and the way that they were doing things but like they developed beautiful technologies you know they, they knew how to live well on the planet and we are so arrogant you know as modern humans to be like oh we just stamp out this symptom and then we keep going and we're great you know 
I, I think you could call it arrogance, but I think you could equally call it um, dissociation from nature. So if yeah. you're enmeshed in a natural world that's giving you feedback all the time, yeah, then it's much easier to understand the consequences of your action. But if you're totally. stuck in a room, essentially entrapped in a room by the culture that you live in, and you yeah. don't get feedback, you you get yeah. you get propaganda inputs. You know, you get um, bubble reverberations. You get other mm-hmm. people also having the same experiencing, also just reverberating back the same thing to you. But you mm-hmm. don't get. Um, interaction with a living system that can mm-hmm. that can communicate real information about whether or not you're well right that's right. really different totally really really yeah. really weird culture that we live in right now in terms of it human is. intelligence have you read um ian McGilchrist's book the master and his emissary uh no but um, i get it recommended oh, to me all the time it's so good. I mean, if you have like an extra 50 hours of your right. life to dedicate, it's <laughs> such an intense read. But like he basically, he goes through the the process of the the domination of the left brain, the, the linear, you know, sort of encased storytelling brain, and that separation from the capacities of the, the right brain, which is that system-based, um, really comprehensive sort of... Uh, understanding of our position in the universe. You know, he's like humans used to operate from the right brain, which was about perceiving the mystery and looking at the the, the, the details and doing things carefully and, you know, the big picture experience. And then, I mean, he positions that like, Six to 10,000 years ago, it started to emerge, you know, with agriculture and and this idea of like, oh, I can control the environment. Now I want to separate from it because I want to do what I want to do, you know. And then um, the Greeks saw this happening with like the Eleusinian mysteries disappearing and all of a sudden uh, the Romans emerged, you know, not all of a sudden, but gradually the Romans emerged as this like very left dominant civilization, you know, and and I don't think we've come back from that. I mean, certainly in the Western world, the indigenous tradition stayed anchored in the right brain for the most part. But yeah, we're, we're in this, like, we, we want to zero in on, okay, I have this symptom, I want to get rid of it, and I'm going to take this drug, and I'm not going to think about long-term consequences or, like, the bigger picture of what's actually happening in my life. And he's like, it's a trap, but it the left brain tells its own stories and then believes them, so once you're <laughs> in it, it's really hard to get out of it. So. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Although, in my own life, I've, I've um, noticed that the indigenous ways of being that are encoded in who I am and who we all are, Mm -hmm. are still there. So Mm -hmm. even though in a, in the macro, in the gross, you know, landscape, we don't have as many indigenous um, peoples and voices out there. The threads of their wisdom are actually still deeply encoded in our experience and in our DNA and absolutely it doesn't take that much to reclaim them right like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. meditation becomes obviously you know super important but I don't know I there there is hope right like there it is still there it is still mm-hmm. there encoded in us mm-hmm. and I you know it's almost like the way the child's is born not to the right parent, but to the right grandparent. 
it's kind of like it's kind of like that. Right. Like there are these deep weavings, ancestral. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and they, and you can't yeah. really get rid of them. They so they they reemerge, and you know, like whether or not they become dominant in our lifetimes, as long as we keep them alive, it's it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. They'll stay. Mm-hmm. They'll stay in our weave in our weaving. Yeah, it's like a. I mean. We live in kind of the middle of nowhere in a large piece of property and and are immersed in nature. But like clients that I have, you know, who are living in London or New York or whatever, and there's a craving in them and and like they they know it like and they They can't get rid of it. And it's and it's like a craving for trees, you know, and it's a craving for Mm -hmm. geese and and birds and and that like enmeshed experience. Yeah, I don't think it's possible. We, I think, fill the craving in with Netflix and I don't know, food, you know, for as long as we can, it never goes away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. For as long as we can. And then, and then we land somewhere Mm -hmm. where we can put our hands in the earth and then it all comes flooding Mm -hmm. back. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not lost. No. Although, you know, so I feel like, I do feel like we're at this crossroads where people are choosing a deeper dive as opposed to, you know, a returning home, but yeah. It's a doubling down awesome. of like, okay, yeah. I've committed to this way of being and I'm not, I'm not going, you know, away from it. And I'm going to just like, even if it's not working, I'm going to stand by it even more intensely. And yeah, for sure. That's the that really, really, <clears throat> yeah, it's really disturbing. <laughs> just, it is. And I can't remember there's it, a, you know, there's I mean, a like, name. Yeah, there's a name for that phenomenon. I was just going to say, like, you know, the on the doubling down piece, you know, like this whole thing about the children being, you know, they're coming up to the children now. Like, people are getting sick. People who are vaccinated mm-hmm. are, are getting sick. Mm-hmm. There's tons of science that points out that that we're not even treating, that these vaccines don't even treat the thing. Mm-hmm. And yet we should come mm-hmm. after the children. Like, that is, that is insanity i mean it is just bald insanity (laughs) there's no other way to put it and no and you know and yet this is happening yet here we are yeah yeah but there was there was um people and i can't remember what they called it but there is some name for the psychological phenomenon that happens when you have committed yourself to an ideology And um, the more evidence you actually receive contrary to the ideology that you've committed to, the more you double down. And I mean, especially I think when Trump was in office, they they were, you know, people were commenting on this of like, look at these people. Like, you know, the more he lied, the more uh, just egregious, ridiculous things he did, the more that people were committed (laughs) to it. And it's like, it's like, oh, I think maybe we're all doing this, you know, because it's it's this doubling down on, yeah. You know, even I'm doing it. Like I'm. Right, right. <clears throat> Although I, I can't say that, you know, like at some point in my in my training, you know, I in when you learn to become an acupuncturist, you learn how deeply um, enmeshed in the natural world we are, and mm-hmm. and that becomes my uh, kind of go to sense maker. Like, does it happen mm-hmm. in the natural world? Is there a resonance in the natural world that I can right. see? And that right. that is a that's a sounding board. That's a truth you know, bell that I can, that I can ring and notice, does it come back to me? To me, 
like I look at these science, you know, these the scientific studies that come out and the ones there are ones that confirm that what I know and there are ones that confirm what I don't know, but the ones that or you know that confirm the opposite. Right, right. But those are suspect. Mm, mm-hmm. Like they, like they, they, they actually literally are. Like they're they're coming from a um, compromised source, you know, or they're mm-hmm. there's flaw studies that are somewhat obvious. Yeah, they're based on other scientific studies that are egregiously you know, misrepresenting or twisted in some way. Yeah. And, you know, I like, you know, especially like if you dig down into the vaccine stuff, which I don't really actually want this whole conversation to to go into this, but like you dig down (laughs) into the vaccine stuff and it all seems to revolve around this idea that you can, there's a study that they put out, you know, where, where they say basically, well, we have to not use placebos because we know that vaccines work. Right. And it's unethical. And there's a paper that, yeah, and it's unethical. And there's there's papers mm-hmm. out there saying this is unethical and so therefore we can't do it. And, and it's mm-hmm. so anti-science mm-hmm. that it takes the emperor's clothes off. You know, like I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I mean, I sort of have the experience of feeling like everybody out there is a nut job and I'm not. But <laughs> I, I could, I mean, I'm willing to be wrong. I I like being right. wrong. I like actually right. falling apart. I like rearranging myself. I don't know. I don't. Yeah. yeah. Do you have that experience? Well, it, I mean, I, I, I think I spend a, a, an absurd amount of time, I think, reading everything possible on what's going on in the world. I, too, I really like being proved wrong, but I've recognized that maybe most importantly that i am not a transhumanist and and like actually being able to acknowledge that that like i don't think that technology is going to save us and i think that we both have that shared experience that i mean my my best teachers are trees they've always been my teachers and they're my family and they're what i go to when i'm feeling confused and and i mean i i think as i hear you saying you know like they're my mirror they're the 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 system that i want to belong to right and and so this i mean maybe it is the same phenomenon where i'm doubling down on my own ideology but i'm i got a lot of faith in this ideology and it it doesn't force me into I think kind of disturbing compromises, right? Where I'm forced to ignore certain aspects of my experience or or things that are here in order to keep that ideology strong, you know? And so it doesn't feel like the same phenomenon. And I I, I want to make sure yeah. that I'm not doing it, you know? But it's it's like, I really, I do read every possible scientific study. I try to poke holes in the ones that, you know, offer a perspective that is similar to mine. And I poke holes in the ones that offer something different, you know, but ultimately, yeah, my experience over the last year and a half has been like a a concretizing, like a a real sense of like, no, no, I know that that's not the path I want to go down. And, and it feels really good. Like, I I don't feel disturbed by that experience because it's, it's you know, it's echoed back to me in, in the world that I live in, you know. And, and maybe other people have that experience, too. And, and I think 
all the power to it. But it does, as you mentioned before, it feels like this divergent path that we are coming to. And my teacher used to say this to me years ago. She's like, humanity is going to go down two roads. And, you know, that's just what's going to happen. And and you're going to have to pick the road that you go on. And like, all the power to you. If you're a transhumanist and you think that science and technology is going to save us, like, go for it. But uh, I mean, I hope to God that that system blows itself out before it kills the rest of the planet, because I think that that's ultimately what's going to happen. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm I'm solid on my path, you know. Yeah, thank and it you. Sounds like you are very too. Very well said. Yeah, very well said. I mean, it, it mm. is. It does boil down to for me too that that I'm not a transhumanist and that I no. that I am deeply devoted to a Taoist path or a Gaian path or totally, um, totally or religious path even. And I actually, one of the ways that I have been um, seeing how people are distinguishing themselves is, is either as religious people or, or Mm. sort of, well, I would say scientists, scientism, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people in the scientism vein who don't realize that they're in a religion, but um, yeah. in fact, are deeply, deeply enmeshed in a cult, <laughs> as far as totally. I can tell. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, and I'm okay with that, actually. People are finding their meaning right now, and I feel like this, this whole process that we're in has, has made me more sure of the things that give me meaning, and, and as a result, I want to make more art and have more beauty in my life and connect with people more, and like the people that have found science as their meaning, I, I like, again, all the power to everyone to find that. I, I just, I wonder if we can ask ourselves, you know, what do, what's the compromise? What do I lose by uh, aligning myself with this ideology? Because there is a compromise, a, a huge yeah. compromise. And, and I think that the, the loss of that connection to the wisdom of this world and the natural mm. Um, systems, you know, is is a compromise. I'm not willing to give up. Like there's yeah. there's no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, which is actually a really perfect segue into the work that mm. I'm that I'm really here to talk about, which is which I would say is Taoist, which is in alignment with mm. Gaian rhythms, which is um, um, of a piece with uh, the energy, you know that. I think is the underlying energy that we work with, whether mm-hmm. or not we realize it. Um, and actually is uh, in my thinking really couched in science and the, the new science really? that's emerging and um, just read a really great book by uh, Wenzel McGowan, a self-published book called the sequence of latent truths that, um, hmm does a really good job of weaving together all the um, emerging and, and, and actually not like not emerging over the last 40 years, not, not recently right now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, Bruce Lipton and, and and biology of belief and, and um, Lynn McTaggart and all these thinkers that are, that are, noticing that what's emerging in quantum physics really should be redefining our understanding of science. And his book helped me to feel really much more solid about Mm -hmm. um, the work that I do, which I think in other eras would be put more in the category of cities. And I'm Mm -hmm. really holding it more as 
a transmission about what's possible in medicine when we understand consciousness to be the primary, to be the prima materia mm-hmm. that, um, that, you know, when we, that when energy is seen as, as the fundamental material that we can work with, then mm-hmm. everything changes and we mm-hmm. can use attention to heal. And mm-hmm. um, in fact, all healing is only attention. And that's Taoist too, right? Like that, that's right. what the Taoists were uncovering. That's what all the, you know, that's what the Tibetans know. That's what the Christians, that's what Jesus was all about. You know, like totally all the wisdom traditions have knowledge of these things. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, excited to be part of the illumination of that in medicine, especially mm. in these times when it's, this stuckness on materialism is Material, is, totally. is pushing totally. us into transhumanism and it's pushing us into, yeah. I mean, it like has, has perpetrated barbarism on the human body for quite long enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually was saying to my husband this morning, I was reading some um, Ashley Montague, the, his book being human, which is from like the 1950s. Um, mm. And he was talking about, you know, the impacts of, certain psychological and emotional experiences on children and how that translates to, mm. you know, he was saying if, you're, if your mother's emotionally absent when you're a child, you will be more predisposed to gastrointestinal disease. And like that was a prevailing wisdom at the time, you know, and he's like, this is what causes lymphatic disorders. And that psychosomatic awareness was, it was there. And now like it's almost sacrilegious to propose, you know, this, the, the connection between emotional we or energetic states. We were 20 years ago. Oh, Totally, totally. And we are now. It's amazing. I mean, in the 80s, there was this massive emergence of information about the mind-body connection that has just been... Totally. Yeah. You know, and it's now getting, it's now getting trashed as new agey or, you know, like, I mean, it's just... Unscientific and yeah. Yeah. It's totally crazy. I did my, or one of my thesis advisors was um, Dean Radden from the Institute of oh, Biomedical wow. Sciences. Cool. He's, he's such a rad dude, but he had just finished um, that study they called the Love Study. Yeah. Um, and it, it got all this press on NPR and it, it basically, they, they took um, couples and they trained them in mindfulness meditation and then put them in like these massive steel lined rooms, 50 meters apart, you know, really rigorous <laughs> scientific protocol. And then looked at, you know, the shared quantum relationship between them when one partner would think loving thoughts, you know, the the skin conductivity and the temperature and the heart rate of the other partner would change instantly, you know. And and this was on NPR and people were like, this is not science, you know, because it's like, I think it, it just offered an inconvenient truth that right. materialism doesn't want to take in, you know. And yeah. it was so interesting to to talk to him about that. And he was just like, I don't understand, like we're doing the best science and it's coming out with these amazing things about how sh- how like energy works and how it influences us and how we can work with it and and people don't want to hear it you know and it was it was Although quite tragic it is giving us this incredible view of the human psyche you know or the the structure of the human ego you know right, like right. not just because i think many of us have had experiences on an individual level about what the ego is and and how it yeah. um loves to limit us but now we're really seeing on a on a macro scale what it is and and i and i hope it helps us to come together culturally yeah uh, to to recognize it and to to be able to talk about it in a way that we can all identify because right now you know it's like 
we try to talk about the experience of being of working with your ego and it's really it's really derided as like nonsense and hooey completely and and not ethical almost like it's like right. you, you are not doing important work in the world you know like you're you're not fighting oppression or something and it's like this is the tool that could liberate everyone you know and right. and that's absurd that they were not right. focusing on the power of this it is hard it's really difficult to actually you know look at your own energetic state and your emotions and your thinking processes and patterns and stuff but it is the thing that frees people you know that's the capacity for self-transcendence only comes through that kind of you know exploration it doesn't come from trying to create safety in the outside world you know but as you say I think that that's the phenomenon we're seeing in people's psyches is like that drive for safety that that we're we're scared. I think, you know, people are just scared. And when we're scared, we're pretty materialistic and we're quite um, divisive in our thinking and we become very ideological and and we don't like nuanced, complex sort of ideas, you know, and, and I think we all have that capacity for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So should well, we dive into this? Or, yeah, sorry, because and I was just going to segue into it by saying that... Um, you know, I think, I hope that the work that I'm trying to bring out um, is, speaks to people's fears. Because, mm. um, and, and I know actually it does sometimes have the opposite effect of triggering them, right? Like when you mm-hmm. realize how powerful you are, you know, you do anything to run away from that Terrifying. truth. But, totally. But, um, you know, I think, I think part of, or one line of thinking that has been driving people recently is, is this idea of like, well, what else do we have? This is the best mm-hmm. of medicine. What else do we have? Totally. If we don't totally. use the, these technological fixes, then we have to go back to the dark ages. And mm-hmm. um, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think there's another path forward, which is um, into the, the quantum future, you know, or the mm-hmm. this really enlightened uh, new stage of human ideas and development where we can where we can heal each other with collective intention, you know, or mm-hmm. even heal ourselves with intention. There's plenty mm-hmm. of people out there that are doing this. Um, yeah, you know, Joe Dispenza has a miracle story of healing his back after a car accident just by holding his totally. attention in his back. Um, you know, tons of you know, um, Anita Morjani, you know, coming back from stage four to cancer in hospital, having a realization, a transformational realization that uh, had her cancer melting in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, weeks after, you know, they had basically pronounced her dead. And, um, I had a similar experience. I had, um, scoliosis, uh, from 19 and, I had slipped a disc in my twenties and I was in chronic pain and um, eventually um, wound up getting pregnant at like 40, having a miscarriage, having breast cancer Mm. and Mm. then having breast cancer again and really used only my hands um, to heal myself. And along the way, you know, I also learned um, Chinese medicine and, and a bunch of different bodywork modalities. And, and what I what I figured out was that really at the core of all the healing modalities that I was using was that attention heals. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's some tricks to how to get it 
to get your body to work on it. And I, there, I have different ways of explaining what, what it is, but really at the core, it's just a, that attention heals. Now, you can't actually apply attention to your body if you are not in control of your mind. So meditation is kind of a in the background here as, um, you know, holding its place Essential. as the primary medicine, right? Totally. Right. Like that's how it was introduced to me when I first started learning meditation was like, you know, if you want to be a good healer, you have to meditate every day. And um, that if you had no other medicine but meditation, you would be fine, <laughs> which I think is absolutely true. But, you know, that's stage one, right? Like stage two would be like, well, how do you then take the um, ability to uh, hold your attention steady while emotions arise, you know, while other things arise, while energy moves? How can you hold Mm -hmm. your attention steady and allow the healing to happen? Um, And yeah, I do want to um, do a little demonstration with you. Yeah, we're going to do a session. I'm excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, and, and actually, and then we can come loop back around and maybe talk about what I think might be happening when we do it. I think that'll probably be the best way to proceed. Perfect. Just, so let's just dive in. So okay. um, I did a little scan on you before and we identified something going on in your head that might need some attention. So mm-hmm. let me just, um, let me just check again and make sure that that's what your body wants because the way that I work is very much in harmony with your body. I I like to just let your body tell me um, what Mm -hmm. it needs and then go from there. So Mm -hmm. um, actually right now it feels like your sinuses are, Mm. um, are more calling than before it was the back of your head. Okay. So I'm just going to invite you to put your hand over your frontal sinuses. Yeah. Like that? Yep. And then there's two ways we could go here. One would be to see if there's any place that that area wants to connect with. We call that mm. dowsing. Um, and... Um, it does feel like there is a little bit of pulling to, um, I would say, like the ventricles in your brain, that there's okay. probably some fluid buildup uh, in the ventricles there, and it's kind of wanting to connect to your sinuses. So that's sort of hard to touch with your hand, but you can imagine, if you just go kind of um, a little bit deeper into your brain, you can you can just... Um, imagine and place my attention there Stella. yeah and 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 we're really using your visual imagination or your imagination mm-hmm. however it works with you so i always call the imagination the dashboard to the quantum field it's mm-hmm. been derided as this as nothing but attention it's but everything yeah. is as i as far as i can tell yeah it's the dashboard to the quantum field so mm-hmm. we're gonna Hold attention both in the ventricles and then the attention of your hand in your ventricles is another layer of it that's very effective. And then just imagine it connecting to the ventricles. And then we're going to do the very important work of backing off or hmm. essentially, um, I just, I just, cons- I just kind of put this together recently. I met the founder of Holacracy, um, Brian Robertson, 
Um, and, and I realized that, and also Wenzel's book, The Sequence of Latent Truths, kind of helped me re- realize this too, which is that we could say that we're just backing off and maybe there's some energetic flow that's happening when we do that. But another way to conceive of it is to say that we're transferring um, executive power to the cells in the area. <laughs> I love this idea. Interesting. Where, yeah, where we're just, we're trusting the local system of government governance to know what it needs best. Right. And to, and to know how to do that best. So we're so going to get out of the way. Some idea of that's what right. Be we are not right. imposing an idea at all. We are absolutely right. getting out of the way. Interesting. So, and that feels the way that I tend to invoke that feeling is by imagining myself sitting behind myself. Interesting. So there's my physical body, and I imagine my energetic body literally sitting behind it. So. I once had the exquisite um, privilege of having a conversation with Orland Bishop. Mm. And I asked him, do you know who he is? He's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him, I just grilled him with every question I could think of. Cause I was just like, Oh my God, <laughs> As this you man should. knows. I know he knows. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I said, what the heck is happening? <laughs> explain (laughs) and he was like he was on it he totally knew he was like you're sitting in the place of the ancestors and call it the witness position yeah that's another way yeah yeah but i loved because he illuminated a little bit more he said when you sit in the place of the the ancestors walk behind you they're supporting you and when you Mm -hmm. essentially give control to them when you let them come through Mm -hmm. you then mm-hmm. all of their wisdom can come through you. So if you sit back mm-hmm. in the place of the ancestors, you have access to eons of cultural wisdom that you can't know with your with your thinking brain. Right, right. Crazy. And, Not crazy. Yeah. Of course, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. sit back in the position of the ancestors or you sit back behind yourself or you get out of the way or you allow or you trust. So I'm going to just, just feeling into you. I want you to do that and just try to, there you go. There you go. And you can feel, so we can hold attention in the front and just sort of say, yep, that's what we're doing while still staying completely out of the way. Mm-hmm. There's so many layers to it. Like, I mean, in a sort of multidimensional experience of being in both places at the same time. That's right. That's right. You're both holding attention in the area and you're holding attention behind yourself. And totally. Yeah. And as the cellular intelligence takes over and starts healing that area, you could, you may feel tingling. You may feel heat. Mm, you may notice I started it. feeling it actually a few minutes ago and it actually got worse. Like the pain in my head yes. actually got worse. Yeah. That often happens. And it's almost mm-hmm. like the, well, I mean, it's like when you have um, an area that's swollen 
when you start mm-hmm. to or stagnation and you start to move that stagnation of course it hurts right. Right. before it flushes through right um, you may also notice gurgling in your belly as the parasympathetic nervous system is activated mm. often i i notice gurgles at the end of a process period interesting so i think of these times when the when you've got when you've got the processing started when you, you're feeling some kind of elves or, you know, tingling or whatever you're feeling. Um, I, I think of these as sort of process periods, like, and there'll be lulls. So you'll start to process it and then maybe there'll get, be a gurgle and it's like that is that processing period is ended. Mm, like a different layers. Yeah. And you could, you could wait through the lull for it to pick up processing again, or you could move on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it really, your body will tell you what it needs. Okay, so as we're doing this, I'm noticing that the ventricles are really much more activated. And it feels like the back of the throat or, yeah. So, you know, you had talked about there being a little bit of ammonia here and I'm really feeling the inflammation of it or just the presence. Um, It's almost like I can smell ammonia. Oh, it's, it's so intense. Uh, So there's, there's another little trick I want to add here, which is to put your other hand on your lower Mm -hmm. back. Okay. So this is, we're going to connect this to the ureters, the ureters. Hmm the tubes that drain from the kidneys to the urinary bladder, we're just going to put our hand on top of them and kind of invoke the idea that your body knows how to drain this. And whenever we add, whenever we manipulate, basically, it's always a suggestion. It's always mm-hmm. like, hey, do you want to drain this? Because you could. Here's just a suggestion. Mm-hmm. It's always just little drops of kind of, you know, little little titrated intelligence that that your body you can mm-hmm. you always give your body allowance to reject if it's not appropriate right i can feel the um gurgling in in my digestive system when i put my hand on the back i can feel Good. it through my back yeah and that actually now feels like it's draining almost down the back of your throat hmm. to me yeah much better it's crazy it's super noisy is that in your body yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. my throat is also super really sore and I, I assume I'm getting sick but I uh I have a retention cyst in my sinus cavity mm. and I think what happens because of the Lyme the ammonia builds up in my brain and then like pools in my sinuses. Mm. And if I tilt my head a certain like angle and back, I can feel it go down my throat. And I mean, it's a combination combination of sinus fluid, but also ammonia. And as we're working is, are you talking about this because your body is asking for attention on that cyst? Mm. I think it was very much my mind taking over, actually. <laughs> and saying, well, let's just, oh, let's I know just the story check. of this, you know. 
Yeah. That's okay. Right. That's okay. So th- I would say that that's information that's being processed through by your body. It's coming out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also curious to see what happens if you can feel. And I, again, we're going to just rely on the uh, imagination being the dashboard to the quantum field. But so if you can imagine it, it's there. And if you can't imagine it, it's probably not there. So let's... Mm-hmm. Um, Let's just see if you add the suggestion of this cyst in your sinus. Does that help the processing? And there's like quite an intense. Yeah. It's hard to describe, but like, I don't know what sinus the cyst is actually in. I can't remember, but all up my left side. It's almost, yeah, it's like a. It's not hot and it's not, it's not exactly bright, but it's like an energetic, like stripe almost that I can sense in that space. I don't even know how to describe it well. Um, so I would describe that as um, um, having activated the drainage tubes, mm. you know, into your eye. So, right. right. Um, because I can, I can feel that too, where it's it's almost wanting to drain through your eye and tears through are my wanting eye. to form. Yeah, it, but yeah, I just it does come through my eye. So I, I want to just hold that in our attention and back off. Okay. Or hold the possibility of that cyst being involved, or that cyst healing, holding the sinus holding the ureters and then just letting your body do whatever it's going to do without needing to interfere, without needing to prescribe the outcome. Mm. So my attention um, is being drawn as as some of that um, fluid feels like it's kind of worked out a little bit. My attention Mm -hmm. is uh, drawn into... Um, inflammation that seems to be happening in the lining around the um, sinus cavities. So is Mm -hmm. that true for you too? Oh, for sure. And it's crazy, actually, even looking at my face in the camera, I can tell like the, the puffiness and stuff that I've had all morning from that I always get when this is happening is, is totally drained. You can feel the draining. Yeah. Your eyes look different. Yeah, Totally. Like that, and it feels quite different, but it, it there's definitely like I can feel again. That's it's like a really hard thing to describe, but it's I can feel the the irritation, I suppose, in an energetic sense. Right, right. There's you can feel the irritation. You can feel the redness. I mean, I would describe that as totally. redness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a little white something or other there too like a little Mm. uh, like the thing that's irritating it is almost present too Mm. so i want to just give Hmm. attention to that little white so uh, it's almost like behind the redness there's this layer of white and it's got um um, pinpricks or something Hmm. Hmm. i'm just wondering if i hold attention there what happens without trying to change anything but just say hey what is that so another way to see this is that's an intelligence 
it's all intelligence, right? And it's queryable. Right. We can ask it what it is and what it's doing and have a conversation with it. It's it, it's a part of the intelligent field. Hmm. So if we ask it, hey, what are you doing there? Do you need to be there? It does not tell me anything, but it does actually start to move along. It feels like on the right side, especially. Is that right? Is that true for you? Or is sometimes definitely, I I mean, the, my experience of asking it is, is something that I've known with this state that I can get into that it always happens when I've been either reading too much or thinking too much or like talking too much or having like it's it's like a built-in mechanism in my brain to like mm. stop things and it it's it makes it so that I feel really foggy and I have to slow down mm. and I don't experience it as like punitive by any means it's it's really like a correction process where mm. like all of a sudden I I have to I mm-hmm. have to stop doing what I was doing right and just the experience really Stella of like putting my hand on my back and actually contacting, you know, the, f- the physical experience as well as like, I, I love the feeling of pulling back. And Isn't it behind amazing? And it, oh, it's like, it's the best feeling. And, and I, yeah, it, like it, it shifts things I, instantly. There's this sense of like, it's not grounding. It's, it's like, it's bigger than that. It's, it's more complex in the sensation, but it's, it's like a like sinking into what's here and and then and then there is that uh, almost i guess a contact with the intelligence of what's here and that it it's doing what it needs to do and it it just it's like it's such a peaceful feeling it's crazy you don't have to do it <laughs> no totally you don't have to fix it you don't have to do yeah like this whole like get you know just get out of your head and let your body take care of itself yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But I mean, I have the same exact people ask me, like, do you get tired after treating five patients a day? And I'm like, no, I feel amazing. Because all I've like, done is get out of the way. Totally. That's all I do. Totally. Is I just, yeah. I just seed uh, agency to your body and yeah. your body does all the work, which mm-hmm. is totally. in alignment with its best interests. So it's, it's mm-hmm. quite a flow state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's exactly what it feels like. Is like that state of 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 self transcendence, but of of like non thinking, non doing, non action, sort of like beingness, you know. But also being a witness to a process unfolding. It feels like like watching a baby being born or some some like magical thing just doing the the thing that it knows how to do you know and so like it's there's there's that like joy in the 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 witnessing the process too so i call that an allow technology okay <laughs> allow i mean it's like flow i mean it's all the other things too but i, mm-hmm. I like i like for it to have a little technical name <laughs> For sure. But it's nice to be able to call it something because I think that, that, you know, our brains want to make sense of it. We want to understand, you know, and I mean, certainly there's also hopefully the the instinct to want to have it be a mystery too. But I mean, I I like words. I like Well, and ultimately, I mean, ultimately the mystery is you can't actually subjugate the mystery, right? Like, like there's no way to, and and, and especially using allow technology, right? Because yeah. You have to be comfortable 
people can, and you did a beautiful, beautiful job of getting out of the way. Mm. You, mm. you, you were kind of like, what? And then you were like, oh, okay. I know this. <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> totally, and, you, totally. and you really just uh, sat right back into it and it was great. But people can really get bollocked up around it. And often yeah. it's because um, there is a, I mean, I don't, I don't want to characterize it too much, but there's a, there can be resistance to healing for many reasons. And often I think at the core is this resistance to death, right? Like yeah. how do you, if I don't get better, I might die. Mm-hmm. So I have mm-hmm. to get better. So I have to fix this. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have to fix it, you can't get out of the way. Right. Like if, if your no brain doubt. is, has if to be the one problem. Yeah. Right. If it's a problem that you have to fix, then, then you're not getting out of the way and you're not allowing this technology to work. Right. So, but, but, and often the nugget that has to be solved is what happens if I die, you know, or like, yeah, you know, just how do I put my hands in God or how do I, right. how do I, how am I, how do I become okay with surrender, whatever might come and whatever my yeah. feet might be, whatever the mystery is. So, you know, then as a healer, you become not somebody who fixes, mm-hmm. but somebody who facilitates the soul, right? Like, it's not about, it's not about um, subjugating death or, or, or vanquishing death at all. It's about... So how do we serve this person's soul in the best way possible? Which, you know, could include death. That was, mm-hmm. For me, as a healer, when I started working, you know, I really wanted people to get better. I wanted people to come and pay money and leave healed. And I, right. I really um, had a, a very strong period in my practice where, you know, I, I had to come to terms with people might be getting better and not look like it in their actual experience and you know where they're at in the, their process i can't know what serves their soul you know i can't totally. know totally i can intend to be of service but that's all i can do really right and it, i had a class in in um, my school that uh, was facilitated by a surgeon who studied spontaneous remissions of disease. And, mm. and he said, you know, like uh, there's certainly been other, I think that heel documentary that came out a while ago was looking yes. at, you know, what are the characteristics of a spontaneous remission? And, and one of the aspects of it is, you know, that you, you let go of the outcome. You actually relinquish the idea that you know how this process should go. And the, the paradox is that when you let go of the outcome, then the healing process can happen, you know, and it's, we're so afraid of going, okay, no, I, I might die, you know, like I'm, I can try all this, but I still might die, yeah. you know, and we, our brains don't want to actually acknowledge that ultimate reality. And so then we can't heal because we're constantly, you know, trying to manage it and, and figure out how we want the outcome to look. And yeah, it's yeah such acceptance a way of, of approaching death it. is healing. It's everything. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And I actually yeah. had a really profound experience with that, with, with my experience second time around with cancer, where I was, you know, deeply traumatized by the idea that I might be leaving my longed for child at a young age and mm. And it wasn't until I got okay with 
I might die. He might be motherless. He will mm-hmm. be okay. Mm-hmm. I can't know what he needs. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I, as soon as I got square with that, my parasympathetic nervous system kicked mm-hmm. in. You know, I mean, it was like mm-hmm. I, I just got out of the stress response and into the healing response. I mean, it's so paradoxical, but it's absolutely true. Totally. And totally. my liver kind of, you know, just doing this manual processing that I was just teaching you and. My liver literally stopped, work started Tuesday. working. It just clunked right in. And then... It really... That, I suppose, is is what I mean, you know, with the, the arrogance of human beings or the hubris is like this this assumption that we we know best. We know how something should go. We know how a process should, you know, end up. And, and we, we have this idea that we then, I mean, have the capacity to take agency on and try to make happen, right? And it, it positions us as like the ultimate intelligent beings. But um, here in BC, like the, we have a coastal indigenous people that call the Haida and they're the ones that made those beautiful totem poles. Mm. And in their totem poles, the human is always at the bottom and he's learning from and receiving all the teachings of like the frog and the bear and the, mm. the eagle and everything above him where, you know, their, their traditional perspective was we're the last things that got here. You know, we don't know how things should mm. go and everything around us is more intelligent and our brains are to receive that information, not to come up with our own story of how life should be and, and you know, what, what is good and bad. And, and again, Ian McGulchris echoes this point that like, that's the left brain. It like got, this idea of like, no, I know how this should go. I know how my process or my healing or my life or whatever should should happen. And that actually prevents us from experiencing mystery and magic and and healing because we we can't force a process or we can try. And that's what Western medicine does. I'm interpreting even the structure of the um, totem to be in the place of the ancestors, right? Like there's a human on the bottom totally. and then the, the ancestors yeah. are behind yeah. And if you're, if you're in grace, then the ancestral wisdom comes through. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the same in shamanic practice, you know, that like we, we, we don't assume to know. We, we say that we actually don't know. We reside in the not knowing and then put our mind in the receptive place of going, what is the wind telling me today? And, and what is the, the water element? And, and what is everything offering to me? And then we can live in a kind of, of harmony, you know, with the system. But so long as we think that we know how a process should go, and even just reflecting on, you know, my classic response to this ammonia buildup in my sinuses yeah. is like, what do I take? How do I get rid of this? You know, yeah. like, how do yeah. I fix it? And it works sometimes, Stella. I mean, certainly, like, just like in Western medicine and allopathic practice, like, it does work. It's like, here's a problem. Here, I have the solution for you. It goes away, as you've said, you know, generally pops up somewhere else because you can't just get rid of something. And it never actually heals this. Um, but I can, in my own intellectual hubris, tell myself, like, I know how to manage this. And I can take an extra ornithine and, you know, process the ammonia a certain way. But but this is so much more of what I feel that I, I'm doing with clients as well as sitting in that space of, of helping them receive what is, you know, and then their intelligence can take over. And, and it's such a magical process. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that I want to respond to in that. But, I, but one thing that is really coming up to, to talk about is um, because, we, you know, we're, we're talking about like sort of healing this issue that you have and. And I recently received um, some teaching from Stephanie Mines, who has developed the Tara approach, which is 
mm-hmm. um, of furtherance of the Jinshin tradition. And that's how I understand oh, okay. it. Where she she's a um, neuropsychologist and she has studied embryolo- embryology quite a lot and has some perceptions around embryological development and trauma and shock in particular. And, mm. um, and she's got me thinking about um, the very root origins of disease and curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I, this was something I was aware mm. of in my training as an acupuncturist. Um, I had a wonderful teacher called Yvonne Farrell who, who really um, encouraged me to think about, and, and Jeffrey Ewan too, um, who encouraged me to think about uh, the human condition as, as, a, as an experiment, as a, as, you know, learning, as, a, mm-hmm. a, as lifetimes, as being an expression of the soul's curriculum. And right. so we come into this life um, with a mission to develop in a certain way. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so then the moment of conception or the moment of birth, uh, I think probably Stephanie would argue the moment of conception sets the curriculum for the being. And mm. then these play out in this in the soul's lifetime in many, many ways. But certainly health and disease um, can usually be traced back to shocks. In her idea, or the way she's working with it, can be traced back to these perinatal or prenatal experiences. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me wonder then, for you with the Lyme, now you could say, obviously, you got a tick bite, and that's the inception of the thing, Mm -hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Um, what if there's a psychological or a shock, a trauma or a shock that um, predisposes you to a certain um, experience that then um, totally. draws in the tick bite? And so right. if we unwind the shock in the perinatal, at the, at the uh, pre, prenatal level, mm-hmm. could it solve the whole shebang? And I don't know mm-hmm. what the answer to that is, mm-hmm. but I'm, that's where, that's my area of intrigue these days. Do you, do you have any? Doubt. Well, totally. Cause it really resonates with, I mean, the, the principle of, of soul fragmentation and soul loss, you know, in the shamanic perspective. And, um, I mean, interestingly, I got this while I was living in a meditation center in France. And while I was flying there, I was flying over the Atlantic and there was this crazy storm and the the plane was dropping and going all over the place. And I mean, this is not a perinatal shock or trauma, but when I got back to San Francisco, my teacher was like, why is your spirit floating Mm. over the Atlantic? Like she was like, it's hanging out there. Like you fragment it because I don't don't particularly like flying very much all the time and I'm kind of a nervous flyer, but um, that was scared the shit out of me. And so she like called that back and I mean, she thought that it was connected to me then getting sick. And in this kind of karmic sense, and see if I can explain this the way that she would say it, that like those shocks, I think what you're describing that Stephanie has um, proposed is it it causes a part of our soul self to fragment because we don't know how to integrate the experience of that shock. And that 
creates a, a gap, you know, in our, our kind of soul identity, which then draws in a karmic experience of illness or, you know, some difficulty, not in a punitive sense, you know, not to, to say, oh, you, you lost this and now you're going to suffer, but to draw our attention to it, you know, illness as like the process of like, here, look here, this is where you've lost part of yourself, you know? So yeah, I would like that. It makes perfect sense in, in that kind of soul way that wherever we are lost a part of our soul self, then there's a space um, for the opportunistic, you know, pathology or organism or whatever it is to come in there and say, here, I'm going to point this out to you. Does that make sense? In, in the sense Absolutely. And, and, and obviously um, there's the Peter Levine connection there too, where, where you know, his right. map totally. for trauma, you know, for trauma includes, um, you know, these three stages, you know, of, of like, mm-hmm. you know, re- recreating the trauma and then renegotiating it and then resolving it mm-hmm. and resolving it. Yeah. I've used that trauma map to break and the shamanic map to break down what I do. And mm-hmm. I can definitely uh, parse what I do in term in those terms. So, you know, you, you sort of recreate the trauma, you identify it, right. you know, like in the case of your brain or in, you know, what's going on in your head. Uh, we identify, like, let's say, you know, you, you have this like sort of vague experience of ammonia mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. pressure, and but we um, we go into the head and recreate the trauma. We identify the trauma. We say, okay, there's mm-hmm. there's fluid buildup in the sinuses. That's mm-hmm. a specificity that helps um, our psyche and our body to know what it's doing, right? Like it mm-hmm. it recreates the trauma in a sense specificity is vastly important in, in terms of what I do like without it it's like you can't see yourself so vague no, yeah. Totally. yeah yeah and then the getting out of the way is uh, allowing your body to renegotiate the trauma in its own with its own wisdom right mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. resolution happens as the tissues heal it's you know they right. so it's the same map whether or not yeah. you um whether or not you're thinking about it in terms of psycho-emotional trauma and then, you know, or shamanic work. Um, and I'm just saying that the, the physical tissues respond this way too. Right, we can go right. in to the, the anatomical body with our awareness and our intelligence and engage those structures with a trauma map and, um, and resolve them on a physical plane. So this mm-hmm. is profound in terms it's of crazy. what can happen. Like, we don't need to do surgeries. Right. And that's been proven. <laughs> like, people, people don't know need surgeries absolutely. a lot of the time. Let's totally. look at the placebo effect. Same thing. For sure. You, you've yeah. identified the trauma. You, 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 the you know, space recreate the, the trauma. You, yeah. Yeah. Let's, you do a sham surgery, you know. Mm-hmm. You say, we're going to go in and we're going to match this vibration and really make sure mm-hmm. that the body understands that this vibration has been matched. We're going to feel that mm-hmm. we're back in the trauma site. We're going to know yeah. that we're back in this trauma piece. And then yeah. we're going to hold space for the renegotiation of that and your body can resolve it. I mean, it's right. it's quite simple, Beautiful. but it's also quite profound. So, yeah. you know, the re- where I... Partly I got to this through integrative manual therapy, Sharon G. Mateo's brilliant um, bodywork modality. And I've really just taken her work and simplified it down to like the absolute um, basis. 
but she's working with bone and nervous tissue and organ systems and, you know, healing everything. Like you can heal 30 year old spinal cord injuries. You can regrow thyroid. You can heal cancer with touch. You can, you can, uh, resolve spinal alignments with, with attention and touch. And, and, you know, this is not, you could call that a city, but you could Mm -hmm. also, um, take off the reflex to, to, you know, do away with religion Mm -hmm. in the medical realm. And you can say, Mm -hmm. you could say, no, actually this is entirely approachable from logic and science. As long as you include phenomenon that are not quite as quantifiable as we've been used to, right? Like how do you quantify consciousness? We have, we have, we don't know how to do that yet. No. And ironically, none of it's possible, though, if we don't make peace with death, as you said, you know, like that. And so that's like we 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 can't it's like we won't do that in modern medicine because, you know, death is the ultimate failure in that system. And so we can't access this practice because that is required in order to release the expectation of outcome and allow the, <laughs> yeah. the body to heal itself. Like it's like, Damn, it's such a, that's a it's, good point. It totally, <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing to recognize how much of a trap we're in. Wow. We can't access this whole other dimensional experience if we're not willing to make, I mean, ah. it's the first noble truth, you know, it's like, you're gonna die. <laughs> you're gonna, shit's gonna go super wrong. And that yeah. you have to actually make peace with. But if you don't, you can't, all of this is not like people don't want to engage with it because it it, it can't it doesn't work if you don't let right. death be part of life. It's never going to work. Wow, that's really helpful. Thank you for for nailing that. No, <laughs> it's really, for me too. <laughs> no, it really totally. like because it, it's really true. I mean, it's really true. If you yeah. don't allow death to be part of your experience of life, then you can't heal. <laughs> you can't heal. You can't. It's heal. crazy. It's <laughs> such a paradox and ironic in that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But like when you do allow, then the intelligence of the process, which includes death, right, can actually be part of. Uh, it'll be your experience. I was just talking with my husband the other day about how trapped we are. Like how much we are in a prison, oh. and we are not aware of it. And it is this prison totally. of of I can only have this experience. I'm only allowing mm-hmm. myself to have this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. And it's such a prison. Yeah. It, it, it cuts off so much of what's available to us. Shamanism was described to me once as, um, speaking of shamanism, as a process where we step into ritual space and allow, uh, listen essentially for more intelligence than we normally would. Right? Like we just allow uh, new information to come in. And to a certain extent, using resonant attention is that too. I didn't out loud say a prayer before I worked with you, but I did internally yeah. and to help myself to remind myself that I was stepping into a space where I was going to be paying attention in a different way because I don't walk around yeah. looking into people's bodies, you know. We can't, we can't want live. To. My teacher no used to say like no we work on the bridge, we don't live there, you know. She's like, you don't stay on the bridge. If you're doing right. this work, you you work there and then you come off of it yeah. because you'll go crazy if yeah. you're like walking around feeling everybody's stuff all the time. Right. Yeah. So, you know, step into ritual space and then you, you just start listening. Like what, what is here? What does the body need? And it doesn't take long to develop this awareness. You know, so many of my clients are like, oh, I could never do what you do, Stella. And this is why I started teaching it because absolutely they can. I couldn't Mm -hmm. do it five years before I could do it. You know, I started scanning the body, 
yeah. freaking out because I was pretty sure that I wasn't perceiving anything, you know, <laughs> kept running into totally. the fact that I was perceiving something. Was totally. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the system, it like proves your mind wrong and your mind's like, ah, I need to have control and I don't, I don't know how to manage this. And like, yeah, it's, it's hard to be like, to put the, that left linear kind of really, really, experience. really hard. In yeah, into the receptive position. Yeah, I was as colonized as everybody. Totally, you know? me too. Yeah, if not more For so, sure. because you know, I I wanted to do well in school. You know, I wanted to get ahead. I wanted yeah. to be part of the system. I can't say mm-hmm. that I ever actually. I sort of wanted to be a doctor, not mm-hmm. really. But you had the capacity to do it, right? And it's like, I mean, I, I always jokingly say that I was the type of kid that was like, you tell me how to jump and I'll say how high, you know, like I like that experience of mm. like accomplishing and and it gave a sense of security. And that's ultimately what it was, is it was a scared shitless kid, you know, and individual. And so that that like solidity was so nice to be like, yeah. this is this is reality. And yeah, the practice, I mean, our brains know how to do it, how to step back and just be receptive, but we have to actually attend to and, and navigate fears and, and realities and stuff in order to like be able to take that position. But I agree. And everyone can do it. And I think, you know, it should be part of a high school curriculum to teach people how to be in that space of receptivity, because what it does in transformation with like relationships with people and experiences in everyday life you know like you get to perceive the beauty of being here instead of your mind constantly telling you stories about what should be happening that's not happening you know like it's it's a tragedy that we don't exist in that space more often yeah the 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 thing that i i mean i think anatomy should be taught you know mm-hmm. i mean i don't know no but my whole feeling about school is very much up in the air where homeschooling mm-hmm. and I, i'm just amazed by how much he actually wants to learn when I don't force him same as the body totally. you know yeah but yeah. but um but I am um teaching him beginning now to teach him he's eight about how to work with his emotions yeah right like that's a piece that um I certainly wasn't taught and mm-hmm. I think is what what meditation really teaches you how to work with your emotions mm-hmm. or a, or mm-hmm. at least how to hold steady through them right how to and be present to them how to be present with them yeah mm-hmm. um and, but so there's this there's this book by carla mclaren it's called the language of emotions which a dear friend mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. told me about yeah a wonderful book that uh i'm using working with my son now because you know it it, it basically gives a language around emotions um, and right. methods for working with them that I think are a lot more accessible maybe than med- teaching meditation in school. Um, right. And, and possibly more important too, right? Cause if you already know how mm-hmm. to work with your anger, if you already know how to work with your fear, then, you know, you can meditate, but like, it's not the mm-hmm. same, it's not the same steep learning curve that you would have if you didn't know how to work with right. them. Right. Totally. So, yeah. So I don't know. I, 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 I think emotional competency is actually like high on my list of things that I would add to high school curriculum if I thought that anybody oh, should go to God. high school, which I absolutely do not. <laughs> <laughs> I actually used to go into classrooms here. Um, I ran a program that I developed on teaching emotional intelligence. In you schools, do? And I go yeah. into grade seven classrooms. I used to, I don't do it anymore, but 
And the kids, Stella, like they wanted it. Like they were of like, course. please help us normalize this. Like tell us that this is this is okay. Because I mean, what passes as like mental health support is like, here's how you get rid of anxiety. Here's how you get rid of anger. Here's how you, you know, and it's like, you have to feel it first. You know, again, it's that like a kind of aggression towards our innate experience is like, oh, this, I don't like this. Now I need to, it's a problem and I need to fix it, you know? And, and then we wonder why kids are all fucked up because like we keep telling them that they shouldn't be feeling things. We you know? throw it's them in the absurdity. We give them absolutely oh, totally. no tools for working through these massive, uh-huh. massive, massive emotions that are running through them. And, and yeah. we absolutely throw them in the deep end. We, 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 we let them sit there and watch like highly arousing stuff on the, on TV. And then we give them nothing to work with it. I mean, it's And we model for them, you know, often very stoicism being totally, totally, (laughs) totally. Yeah. Or explosion at certain times. And yeah, it's really, it is a kind of cruelty to them. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So sometimes. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, there's so much. There's so much I still want to ask you about I know. this whole and system actually, because side it's thing. just amazing. Like, don't you want to come mm-hmm. and teach our homeschool pod your curriculum? <laughs> totally. <laughs> that sounds great. Except they won't let me out of the country now because oh. basically I have the same mobility rights as uh, I think we we are on par with people in North Korea, the unvaccinated in Canada. So I can't get on a train or a plane or anything. So I'm um, we're just hiding out in the woods here. But <laughs> maybe at some point, yeah. It's crazy. It's totally crazy. We're, I'm very grateful, though. We have all of my friends are either, you know, unvaccinated and and share a common, you know, perspective and value system, or are vaccinated and didn't want to get vaccinated and had to do it because of their work or whatever. And so we haven't had difficult, you know, relational experiences. That's thankfully, great. like I just, I know I really feel for people whose like families, like a friend who whose son won't let him see his grandkid. Because it, I can't tell you how grateful I am to my family for not ostracizing me. Oh, I mean, no. I, you know, yeah, yeah, I really am. It's, it's really it's, brave and 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 loyal of them. I'm really grateful. Totally. Well, they must really respect you, you know. And as, as I know that, you know, my friends sure and family. That. <laughs> well she's just weird and we're we know that there's a form of respect i suppose like we'll just let her do her shit over there she's always been like that we just love her anyway right right right, totally oh you're that person in the family i get it Um, thank you yeah. so much, Stella. It's amazing. Oh, and, and I so look forward to, I really encourage everyone to to sign up for your newsletter and, and attend. I, I can't attend the teachings that you're doing right now because I had stuff already booked, but I'm really looking forward to you offering more classes in resonant attention because I, I just... It's like this this antidote, you know, to the the crazy that's happening, I think. Right well, you know, now you got us. it, actually. I mean, it's almost entirely mm. like that. Sit behind yourself, you know, so just right. pass the word along. And, and um, right. you know, and there's right. a little bit of an attunement that I can help with, but it's this is a yeah. human skill. Yeah, for sure. I I think it's, you know, your capacity for for working with the body. My teacher would always say, she's like, you have to do hands on work. And I don't right now. I don't Mm -hmm. do any hands on stuff with people. And I want to learn how to help cue. You know, I work with very traumatized people who often, you know, you have to be really careful Mm -hmm. in in touching them. And and I have this instinct when I'm working with them that I'm like, oh, my God, I want to touch you in this place. But then I'm like, is that okay? And and I want to maybe learn something language and ways of of offering mm. it to people in a, in a way that's approachable and and okay for them too mm. so yeah
But uh, yeah, thank you. And all the best to you and your family. Thank you, you too. Great to talk to you. The Knowing is an IntelliKey production and was recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Northern Sequipnik people. All music, editing, and production by Brent Morton at Bell Tower Audio. May our hearts and minds remain open. May we meet this day with equanimity and compassion. And may we remember our belonging to this earth, to each other, and to all that is. <laughs>